Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Ford Frogs Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Purdy, and today we're continuing things off, finishing off the NFC West with the Seattle Seahawks. Let's get on into it. All right, so in case you're new here, what we do is we go over the whole roster, position by position, giving a general um, breakdown of the roster. Then I talk about the floor and ceiling for this team, what I think can go wrong, and what I think can go right for this uh, season, as well as talking about the Vegas over-under, whether or not I think the over or the under is the smart bet, and then the biggest strength and weakness of the entire um, roster. And you should hit the subscribe button to stick around, because in a couple weeks, I'm going to be doing the my season prediction where I'll give my official win total for each team, as well as an awards prediction where I'll talk about who I think will win MVP, Rookie of the Year, and all that, and then a playoff prediction. So yeah, hit the subscribe button if you want to stick around for that. And without any further ado, let's get on into the Seattle Seahawks. So starting things off, as always, with quarterbacks, they have Geno Smith, Drew Locke, and Jacob Eason. So this is one of the true like quarterback battles going on in the NFL. And right now, though, it does look like Geno Smith has the upper hand. Um, Smith was drafted in the second round by the Jets in 2013 and was the day one starter there. After two underwhelming seasons and then a broken jaw that was caused by his teammate, Smith was relegated to the bench in favor of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Since then, he's bounced around um, the league as a backup. Last year, he saw a couple games when Russ was out with injuries, and he wasn't great in the like three and a half games he played, with 209 being the highest yardage total he had. But he took care of the ball and was pretty accurate. So if this team wants to focus on the run game, Smith will be able to at least execute like a safe passing offense to keep the defense a tiny bit more often, um, more honest, but won't really elevate the team. Locke definitely has more upside of the two, but he's extremely volatile. He has a great arm and is a good athlete for the position, but he has sporadic accuracy and inconsistent decision making, putting the ball in harm's way way more than he should. He's still young as the 25-year-old was taken in the second round back in 2019 by the Broncos, but it looks like the Seahawks would rather go for the safe play of Smith and rely on the run game rather than going for the big play but also turnover threat of Drew Locke. And then Eason, he's kind of like a light version of Locke. He was picked in the fourth round in 2020 by the Colts and is 6'6 with a rocket of an arm, but that's where the positives really end as his accuracy, decision-making, and pocket presence was subpar in college, and he hasn't really had the chance in the NFL to show that anything has improved. For running backs, they have Rashad Penny, Kenneth Walker III, Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, Josh Johnson, and Darwin Thompson. Penny was picked in the first round in 2018, but he has dealt with injuries and struggled to climb the depth chart in his four years with the Seahawks, so they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. However, he was finally healthy at the end of last season and reminded everyone why he was so highly regarded coming out of SDSU. In his five games to end the season, he had 671 yards and six touchdowns, going over 100 yards in four of those games and looking like the best running back in the league, frankly, averaging 7.2 yards per carry and 5.3 of those coming after contact. He dealt with a minor injury already this offseason, but he appears to have gotten healthy again. He hasn't really provided much in the passing game yet, but if he can't stay healthy during this one-year proven contract, he could still have a promising career ahead of him. Walker was one of the best running backs in this class, getting selected 41st overall out of Michigan State, where he showed that he can run the ball as a bell cow back who wins with speed, power, and elusiveness. He also didn't show much in the passing game, so it will be interesting to see who they really use more on third rounds between Penny or Walker, or if they'll just use a different back in these situations. I think that they can use Walker as he has the potential of a receiving back, he just wasn't really asked to do so in college. 
Homer was taken in the sixth round in 2019 and has been a big play threat for the Seahawks, averaging 5.9 yards on 64 career attempts, with 8.4 yards on 21 carries last year while also having 16 catches and 161 yards. If they don't end up trusting Penny or Walker on third downs, Homer would likely be the go-to back in those obvious passing situations. DJ Dallas could also see significant snaps on third down, so we'll have to see who wins the competition between the two. Uh, Dallas, he was taken in the fourth round in 2020 and had a bit more than 100 yards on the ground and 100 more through the air in each of his first two seasons so far. He isn't as good of an athlete at home as Homer, but he's younger and bigger, so he could see some more snaps because of his youth and also if he can take some strides as a pass protector. Johnson went undrafted last year but didn't play, and Thompson was picked in the sixth round in 2019 but didn't do much in his first two years in Kansas City and didn't play at all last year. So for wide receivers, they have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Freddie Swain, D. Eskridge, Marquise Goodwin, Penny Hart, Derek Young, Aaron Fuller, Bo Melton, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Kay Johnson, and Kevin Cassis. Metcalf is a super athlete at 6'3", 220 with, four, uh, with a 4'3", 40-yard dash. Combined with Russell Wilson's amazing deep ball, the 2019 second-round pick has developed into one of the best deep threats in the whole league. He's best going into a straight line, as evident by his infamous 7-3-8-3 cone, so majority of his routes are going to be like go, slants, and crossers, but his route tree did begin to evolve a bit more last year, adding in some comebacks, out routes, and um, other breaking stuff like that. I fully expect him to keep growing in this aspect and be one of the league's best receivers. And then the Seahawks have one of the most physically dominating receivers in the league, and then opposite of him, they might have one of the most underrated receivers in the league. Maybe because he's only 5'10 and was a third round pick and he played opposite of Doug Baldwin early and now DK, but Tyler Lockett has been consistently great but never mentioned amongst the best, despite having an unarguably better season than Metcalf did last year. Lockett shows up each week and can win in the slot or out wide, and he's a phenomenal route runner, has good speed, and he only had one drop last year on 103 targets. However, he will be playing with a much downgraded quarterback, so... I'm worried that his production could really suffer and his decline may begin even though he's only 30. Swain mostly played out of the slot last year, putting up 350 yards and 4 touchdowns. Russell Wilson tended to ignore his slot receivers a lot, opting to throw the ball outside. Now with Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator, being able to implement more of his Sean McVay style offense as exposed to how Wilson liked to play, it'll be interesting to see if Swain can see like an uptick in production. Eskridge is an undersized wide receiver drafted in the second round last year. He missed much of the season with a concussion and didn't really do much when he did play as a rookie, finishing with 10 catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. He's a shifty, good athlete who could carve out a role here if the Hawks transition more of like that outside zone 11 personnel offense, but he is definitely um, unproven as of right now. Godwin was taken in the third round 2013 and is a good speed threat, but he is getting up there in age at almost 32 years old and has only had one pretty good season with over 900 yards and then another season with over 400 yards. He also gets banged up almost every year, but when he is out there, he still should be able to take the top off defenses. Hart went undrafted in 2019, but he hasn't really done too much in his career yet. Young was picked in the seventh round this year out of Lenore Ryan. Fuller would undrafted in 2020 but he hasn't played yet melton is a seventh round pick out of rutgers ortega whiteside was picked by the eagles in the second round in 2019 but has not played well at all yet as a big bodied guy who isn't fast and can't separate and can't win at the catch point 
the Seahawks traded away one of their disappointing picks, Ugo Amadi, to see if a change in scenery can help our sake of right side, but I want to be too optimistic. And then Johnson went undrafted last year, and you uh, cast this as a UDFA from this class. All right, so for tight ends, they have Noah Fant, Will Disley, Colby Parkinson, Tyler Mabry, and Cade Brewer. Fant was picked in the first round of 2019 and was part of the trade package for Russell Wilson. In his first three years, Fant has been good, but still feels like he's yet to reach his potential, having about 670 yards and three touchdowns and four touchdowns in these last two seasons. He's one of the most athletic tight ends in the league and only had one drop all of last year. I feel like that if he had better quarterback play, he'd be viewed as one of the top tight ends, but alas, he's stuck here with Drew Locke or Geno Smith, so we'll see if the change of scenery will help him or if it's just going to be more of the same. Disley was picked in the fourth round 2018 and has been a solid number two tight end, a good blocker, and he has sure hands early in his career, but he's definitely had a couple more drops um, these past couple seasons. He looked like he had a chance to be a good tight end in 2019 before getting injured and returning to mediocrity in 2020. Parkinson was taken in the fifth round in 2020, but hasn't done too much yet, being mostly a blocker so far. Mabry went undrafted in 2020 as well and made his first appearances last year primarily as a blocker, not seeing any targets in the four games he played. And Brewer is a UDFA from this class. So along their offensive line, their starters are projected to be Charles Cross, Damian Lewis, Austin Blythe, Gabe Jackson, and Jake Curhan with Stone Forsyth, Liam Ryan, and Abraham Lucas backing up at tackles, Greg Island, Shamarius Gilmore, and Phil Haynes backing up at guards, and Kyle Fuller and Dakota Shepley backing up at center. Charles Cross was the best pass protecting lineman in this draft class, and I believe he'll be an instant plus starter. Maybe not better than Dwayne Brown day one, but he will be good, and I Definitely think he can be better than Brown's peak when he gets there, you know? Um, he has question marks as a run blocker, but also that was because he was playing in that Mike Leach air raid offense, so run blocking wasn't a priority there. Now with Seattle and their love for running, I do expect Cross just to be fine in that aspect. Forsyth was picked in the sixth round last year, but only made one appearance coming in mid-game for injuries where he did play pretty good. And then Ryan is a UDFA from this class. Lewis was picked in the third round in 2020 and has been a phenomenal run blocker so far, but a poor pass protector. If he can improve as a pass protector and stay healthy, he could be a great guard, but so far he's honestly been nothing short of a liability against pass rushers. Island went undrafted last year, but hasn't played yet, and Gilmore is a UDFA from this class. Blythe was picked in the seventh round in 2016 by the Colts, but was waived after his rookie year. The Rams picked him up, and he became a solid starter with them outside of 2019, where that whole offensive line fell apart. He signed last year to start for the Chiefs, but the emergence of rookie phenom Creed Humphreys designated Blythe to the bench. He'll get his chance to start here again, so we'll see if his success in LA was some McVay magic, or if he can be a solid starter here again in a similar style of offense. Fuller was picked in the 7th round 2017 by the Texans, and has been a backup so far until last year, where he started but played poorly for the Seahawks and got benched. Shepley went undrafted in 2018, but hasn't played yet. Jackson was picked in the third round in 2014 and was traded to the Seahawks last year. He became a starter right away in Oakland as a better pass protector than run blocker, but oddly he's gotten worse since the beginning of his career. Maybe it was the switch from left guard to right guard, but either way he seems to get slightly worse each season and is now a replacement level player at 31 years old. Ainge was picked in the fourth round in 2019, but has only started uh, the last two games of last season. But he didn't play poorly there, though. 
And then Kerhan went undrafted last year and started from week 14 on, where he was one of the worst tackles in the league. He's currently listed as the starter, but I hope and expect that Abraham Lucas will pass him soon. Lucas is kind of like a light version of Cross, taken in the third round out of Washington State, where they ran a very similar offense to the one ran at Mississippi State. He should be an alright pass protector out the gate, but definitely needs to work on his run blocking some, but I think it's only a matter of time until he's this team starter. So for their interior defensive linemen, they have Puna Ford, Shelby Harris, Al Woods, Quentin Jefferson, LJ Collier, Brian Moan, Miles Adams, and Gerard Hewitt. Puna Ford is a bowling ball. The 5'11", 310-pound defensive tackle went undrafted in 2018 and worked his way up the depth chart here. He's able to use his shortness to his advantage, getting good leverage against guards and centers as the low man wins in the NFL, and he has great power to go with it. He's become one of the more underrated pass rushing interior linemen and could be even better if the Seahawks had more help around him. And they did get some help in the return for the Russell Wilson trade in the form of Shelby Harris. The 2014 7th round pick developed nicely for the Broncos after joining them in 2017. There, he became an underrated piece in the middle of their defense, constantly getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks and being solid against the run at the same time. This is, could actually be one of the better interior duos in the league and no one's really talking about them. And then Al Woods is still kicking it here. The 2010 fourth round pick has been a good run-stuffing nose tackle throughout his career. Nothing too special, but he does a solid job for what he's asked to do. Jefferson was picked in the fifth round in 2016 by the Seahawks, but spent the last two years on the Bills and Raiders. Last year, he had a career year as a rotational pass rusher for Vegas, putting up 46 pressures and 6 sacks, and should be productive again for the Seahawks when rotated in. Collier was picked at the end of the first round in 2019, a pick that many viewed as a reach, and so far he's done nothing to prove people wrong. He's a tweener who plays a lot of 5-tech, but he's mostly been a backup so far, and he hasn't produced when he does get on the field. Moan is a nose tackle type, going undrafted in 2019. He's been getting more and more action each year and has been a decent rotational run stuffer. Adams went undrafted in 2020, but has only seen a handful of snaps so far, and Hewitt went undrafted last year, not playing. So for edge defenders, they have Uchenna Nwosu, Jarrell Taylor, Alton Robinson, Boye Mafe, Tyreek Smith, Joshua Onu-Giogu, and Aaron Donker. Nwosu was brought over in free agency after spending his first four seasons with the Chargers. The 2018 second round pick developed into a pretty good pass rusher, especially when he became the starter opposite of Joey Bosa last year. He had a career year with 41 pressures and 5 sacks, and is also decent enough in coverage to drop back a couple times a game, throwing a wrinkle at the offenses if nothing else. Taylor was a second round pick in 2020, but he missed his rookie season with injuries. He had an alright sophomore campaign, posting 36 pressures and 7 sacks as a rotational player. He got better each year in college, so let's see if he can continue that development now that he's in the NFL, or if he's just going to be this kind of like capped, good, not great guy. Robinson was taken in the fifth round 2020 and has been a rotational edge piece so far, better against the pass than the run, but not really incredible at either, posting 18 pressures in each of his first two seasons. Maffei was drafted in the second round this year out of Minnesota. He was a rotational pass rusher who didn't get full-time reps until his redshirt senior season, as he doesn't really provide much value as a run stuffer, but he was a great pass rusher in college. The Seahawks hope that he can hit his ceiling soon, as he can be a great number one pass rusher, and they don't really have anyone who has that real ceiling there, and so far he has looked good in the preseason. Smith was taken in the fifth round this year out of Ohio State. Onuji Ogu is a UDFA from this class, and Donker went undrafted last year but hasn't played yet. 
For linebackers, they have Jordan Brooks, Cody Barton, Nick Bellore, Tanner Muse, John Radigan, Lakeem Williams, V. Jones, and Joel Dublanco. Brooks was taken in the first round in 2020, which shocked a lot of people, but he has played well so far. He got the starting gig next to Bobby Wagner last year and was great against the run, using his great speed and strength to wreak havoc. However, he did struggle in coverage, not being the most fluid athlete. Now as the number one linebacker with Bobby gone, we'll see if he can have that year three breakout or if he's just going to be like a throwback run-stuffing linebacker who you don't want in coverage. Barton was picked in the third round in 2019 and has mostly been a special teams player so far, seeing just short of 200 defensive snaps last season. He's a bit lighter but a fluid athlete and will likely be the best cover linebacker here, but this will be his first season as a starter so we'll have to see if he can hold his own. Bellore is a linebacker, fullback, and special teams player. He's hardly played any linebackers for the Seahawks, but he's being listed as linebacker now, which he hasn't seen any significant action since 2017 where he played 100 snaps with the Lions, and then 2016 where he saw almost 700 with the Niners, but he's playing it in the preseason, not really playing any fullback, so we'll have to see how that goes. Muse was picked in the third round in 2020 by the Raiders, but missed his rookie season with injuries and was cut before year two. He was picked up by the Seahawks, but only saw one snap. In college, he was a safety for Clemson, so theoretically, he should be a good coverage linebacker if he's able to see the field, but it's been a big if so far. Radigan and Williams went undrafted last year, but didn't play, and Jones and Dublanco are UDFAs from this class. So for cornerbacks, they have Sidney Jones the fourth, Artie Burns, Justin Coleman, Kobe Bryant, Tariq Woolen, Trey Brown, Mike Jackson, John Reed, and Jameson Houston. Jones was taken in the second round in 2017, falling after he tore his Achilles in the pre-draft process. And then injuries have plagued his career since then, hindering his development. He's been pretty good when he actually can get out there, and I think he still has a chance to be an above-average starter in this league. He just needs to stay healthy. Last year was one of his healthiest seasons, playing in 12 games. He played terribly in his first two, being credited with 270 yards allowed, but after that didn't give up more than 42 yards in a single game. Burns was picked in the first round in 2016 by the Steelers, where he disappointed and was eventually benched. He tore his ACL in 2020 before playing a game with the Bears, but was brought back again last year where he started six of the last seven games. And he gave up zero yards in um, two of the last three and then seven in the final game of the year. So maybe he's starting to hit some of that first round ceiling. Um, we'll see. Coleman, he went on draft in 2015. And he did have his best seasons as a slot corner in 2017 and 18 with the Seahawks. But outside of that, he's been pretty underwhelming throughout his career. We'll see if he can recreate that success here in his second stint in Seattle. Bryant was picked in the fourth round out of Cincinnati and was the Jim Thorpe Award winner, the best DB in the nation last year. He saw a lot of targets playing opposite of Sauce Gardner, which led to a lot of pass breakups and interceptions but he isn't a high-end athlete like his counterpart. He saw his most success as like an off-zone corner, and he does have starter upside, but he may not be able to achieve it for a year or two, especially if Jones and Burns can stay healthy and play at least decent. Tariq Woolen was picked in the fifth round this year out of UDSA. He's an extremely raw prospect, converting from wide receiver two years ago, but he has one of the greatest physical profiles ever at 6'4 with 4'2'6 speed. If he can continue to learn through position, he would be one of the greatest steals of all time. But if he is just this raw super athlete, he they only spent a fifth round pick to take that risk on him. Brown was a fourth round pick last year who appeared in five games while hopping on and off the IR. 
he's a good athlete who didn't give up a lot of yardage as a rookie, but it looks like he's being buried on the depth chart and struggles to stay healthy as he's currently on the pup already. Jackson was picked in the fifth round in 2019, but hasn't played a lot yet. Reed was picked in the fourth round by the Texans in 2020, but played poorly in the slot and was shipped off to Seattle for a seventh round pick. He saw some action later in the year, but he's likely just a death piece. Houston went undrafted in 2020 and saw some snaps as a rookie with the Eagles, but none at all last year. So for safeties, they have Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, Ryan Neal, Josh Jones, Marquise Blair, Joey Blunt, Deontay Williams, and Scott Nelson. Jamal Adams was not worth two first round picks, but that's in the past, and we can still acknowledge that he's a good safety who was at one time one of the best in the leagues. Since joining Seattle, he has struggled in coverage, but he's still been a great pass rusher and run stuffer. Uh, however, last year they did play him further from the line of scrimmage, where he struggled as that more true safety, and he's also been dealing with injuries these past couple of years. I don't think we'll ever view him as like a top safety again, but he's still a serviceable starter who, if deployed correctly, can help this team win games. But I don't think it's as a true safety. I think it's in that kind of hybrid role. Diggs is a solid cover for safety and honestly may be the best safety on this team at the moment. He's played almost exclusively deep and is a great ball hawk who doesn't give up big plays, giving up only one play longer than 25 yards last year. Ryan Neal will come in for three safety packages and I hope they use him as the second overtop safety in those situations. He's been alright these past two years, going undrafted in 2018, but I like wanting him to play overtop is honestly more about Jamal Adams. I'd rather see Neal over top, who's like the same quality in coverage as Adams, and then put Adams close to the line of scrimmage and let him feast where he's more comfortable and definitely still can be a real difference maker. Jones was picked in the second round in 2017 by the Packers, but struggled and was cut after two seasons. He's bounced around the league, but has been unable to find his footing. Blair was picked in the second round in 2019, but has struggled to see the field due to injuries. When he does get out there, he mostly plays as a nickelback, but his play has not lived up to the billing of a second round pick. Then Blunt, Williams, and Nelson are all UDFAs from this class. So for special teams, they have Jason Myers at kicker, Michael Dixon at punter, and Tyler Ott at long snapper. Myers went undrafted in 2015 and has been the Seahawks kicker for the past three seasons, but he did have a down year last year, only eating 73.9% of his field goals. Dixon was picked in the fifth round in 2018 and has been one of the better punters in the league since then, and Ott went and drafted in 2014 and has been the Seahawks long snapper since 2017. And so now it's time to get into my whole season projection, talk about the floor ceiling, what's going to go right, what's going to go wrong, um, the over under, whether or not I think this team will hit that over or under, and then the biggest strength and weakness on this roster. So pessimistically, I see their floor as 5-10. and 10. I definitely think there's still an element of the Seahawks being the Seahawks and having a strong culture and at least like a still a decent coach with Pete Carroll. He's definitely declining, but he's still like, it's still Pete Carroll, you know? Um, but the combination of Geno Smith and Drew Locke could provide the worst quarterback play in the league. Penny could get injured again or not just recreate that magic and Walker doesn't hit the ground running. Lockett and DK are still great, but it is just hard to produce without competent quarterback play, and they don't get much out of anyone else in this receiving room. Fant still looks like a guy with unreached potential. These rookie tackles could struggle, Lewis struggling in pass protection too, and Jackson continues to regress. And then Blythe, he just doesn't look good now that he's outside of LA again. This interior defensive line 
group generate some pass rush, but with poor edge play, it's not really enough. Brooks is still poor in coverage, and Barton can't live up and be a full-time starter. This group of corners could be honestly terrible, like just due to injuries, youth, inexperience, and frankly, a bunch of busts at the top. And Diggs could be the only viable coverage player on this whole team. Optimistically, though, I see the ceiling of the team at 8 and 9. It's just a rough schedule, and they don't have the best roster, but Pete Carroll could definitely keep them in games that they shouldn't be winning. Smith could definitely keep them in games too, or Locke can hit some of his high-end variants enough to just get a couple lucky wins. Penny could continue his streak from last season, and Walker could be able to step up as a receiving back despite not being asked to in college. DK and Lockett play great and are still productive despite their quarterback play, and a third receiver could step up here, hopefully D. Eskridge. Noah Fant finally has that breakout year, and these rookie tackles play well enough, and the interior players play at like starter level, you know, like they hit their like higher end. This interior defensive line could be sneaky great, and if they could get some production out of Nwosu, Taylor, and or the rookie Mafe, this could be a good pass rush. Brooks could take that step up in coverage and be a pretty good overall linebacker, and Barton is at least not terrible next to him. If Jones can stay healthy and be a pretty solid corner, and then either Burns continues to turn his career around, or Brian can play decently as a rookie, that would be really nice. I hope Adams is utilized better closer to the line of scrimmage, and he should be better in coverage in those shorter areas, and a great pass rusher and run stuffer again, with Diggs playing great over top. And then their over-ender is set at 5.5. And, and maybe it's the fact that I was 9 years old the last time the Seahawks won 5 games or less. But I think coaching and culture will keep this team in some games that they shouldn't. Like, for example, I doubt it happens, but it seems like a totally Seahawks thing to, to win that Russell Wilson revenge game in Week 1. And they're always a tough out against their divisional rivals. I'd be shocked, honestly, if they went under 5.5 wins. Um, but like, I do see this... I do see their floor as five, so I guess like I could see that, but yeah, no, I, I think that six, seven is a lot more likely. Uh, the biggest strength on this roster are their receiving options. DK and Lockett are a great complementary duo with the physical monster in DK, who's getting better each year, and Lockett, who is extremely reliable and be that true number one X. If Fan can hit the ceiling or at least get a bit close to it this year, then that could be a pretty great trio to throw to but the biggest weakness are the people throwing the ball so going from russell wilson to geno smith or drew Locke is going to be a ginormous drop off in quarterback play if smith starts which looks like it's going to happen this is going to be like a run first team that will rely on smith getting the ball short and quick to playmakers but not really elevating this team and then if Locke is the quarterback then there will be a bunch of high variance offense so probably like a run first team but there's going to be a lot more big plays both for the offense and for the defense with a lot of turnovers all right so that's going to do it for today's episode um let me know where you agree where you disagree down below in the comments if you're on youtube hit that subscribe button hit that like button help get this video out if you're on apple Podcasts or spotify leave a five-star review and go tell your friends yeah only a couple more weeks until the nfl season starts so we're going to be pumping these out and see you guys all next time